I'm Alan Watt, and this is Cutting Through the Matrix. What a matrix it is. For newcomers, look into my site, cuttingthroughthematrix.com, and also alanwattsentinsentinel.eu, where you can get transcripts downloaded in some of the languages of Europe. Today is September the 19th, 2007. And the last time I was on, I was mentioning something about the technique of controlling masses of people through the perfect understanding of their nature. I mentioned a man called Jax Elul, E-double-L-U-L. This man is the man who Aldo Huxley referred to when anyone asked him about technique, what it was about, who the main expert in it was. What is technique? This is the same technique and the same word, in fact, that we find Zygmunt Brzezinski and others discuss. Technique, technique, but they never really explain what they mean by technique. Some of them call it the technocracy. Others call it um, a type of political technocracy. But it's really beyond politics. It's over and above politics. It's how to guide whole nations into a predetermined goal. And Jaxie Lull himself, who first printed this particular book called The Technological Society, he first published it in French, in France, in 1954. This man understood it all perfectly. Why did he understand it so perfectly? It was because he'd been taught since he was very young, as some of them are. A very few people are given access to archives where they get all of this information, information of the study of human behavior going back for thousands of years. Formulas, if you like, formulas which, if they've worked before, if they're introduced in the same sequence, will always work again. So they never change them. That's the beauty of formulas and people. He said himself uh, that basically technique refers to any complex of standardized means for attaining a predetermined behavior that is deliberately deliberate and rationalized. The technical man is standardized the devices into motion. He cannot help admiring the spectacular effectiveness of nuclear weapons of war. Above all, he is committed to the never-ending search for the one best way to achieve any designated objective. That's what they mean by technique. It's how to motivate people, vast groups of people who will never really understand the end for thousands of years. Formulas, if you like, formulas which, if they've worked before, if they're introduced in the same sequence, will always work again. So they never change them. That's the beauty of formulas and people. He said himself uh, that basically technique refers to any complex of standardized means attaining a predetermined behavior that is deliberately deliberate and rationalized. The technical man is standardized the devices into motion. He cannot help admiring the spectacular effectiveness of nuclear weapons of war. Above all, he is committed to the never-ending search for the one best way to achieve any designated objective. That's what they mean by technique. It's how to motivate people, vast groups of people, who will never really understand the end. Everybody knows that the day is so loaded. Everybody rolls with their fingers crossed. Helen Watt back with Cutting Through the Matrix. 
you got to excuse me, sometimes I'll go straight into the ads, but sometimes I get an intro or an exit, sometimes I don't. So if I'm cut off, I don't know where I've been cut off and where to continue from. So I do my best here. Talking about Jack C. Lowell and his book, one of his many books, actually, The Technological Society, which eventually was published in English in about 1964, I think, about then. Now, he talks about the discipline of the techniques. And he's talking here about economics as well. He says the intellectual discipline of economics itself becomes technicized. Technical economic analysis is substitute for the older political economy, included in which was a major concern with the moral structure of economic activity. Thus, doctrine is converted into procedure. And that's very important because you have theories which become doctrine and then it, it gets put into procedure as fact. It's actually acted out, even though it's only theory. And the whole bunch of them go together. They swear an allegiance, actually, to go towards this particular theory without ever explaining it really to the public what they're doing. So he, he talks about the technicians. They form a closed fraternity with their own esoteric vocabulary. And that's the same with all bureaucracies, by the way. Moreover, they're concerned only with what is as distinct from what ought to be. This is in the foreword of his book, so you can imagine what the rest of the book is like. He says, politics in turn becomes an arena for contention among rival techniques. The technician sees the nation quite differently from the political man. To the technician, the nation is nothing more than another sphere in which to apply the instruments he has developed. To him, the state is not the expression of the will of the people, nor a divine creation, nor a creature of class conflict. It is an enterprise, very important word, enterprise, in the high esoteric circles, providing services that must be made to function efficiently. And what he means by that is, they use terms like cost-cutting, etc., when it comes to health care or certain services you're taxed on, but what they really mean is going to, they're going to reduce your service by cutting the costs. They can't give you the same services. They use a particular vocabulary which sounds pretty good to us. We like cost-cutting, but, but to the guys who introduce these techniques, they're meaning they're going to cut back your services. That's what it means. Either that, they'll tax you more for the same service. So the use of terminology is very, very important. Because on to say he judges states in terms of their capacity to utilize techniques effectively, not in terms of their relative justice. Political doctrine revolves around what is useful rather than what is good. Purposes drop out of sight and efficiency becomes the central concern. As a political form best suited to the massive and unprincipled use of technique, dictatorship gains in power. Again, going back to Plato, he goes through the different uh, systems, republic, democracy, and so on, and when you hear them pushing democracy, as Plato said, they're actually aiming towards a form of dictatorship because all this has been done before, you see. It always ends up in dictatorship. Now, Alal goes on to say, and this in turn narrows the range of choice for the democracies. Either they too use some version of effective technique, centralized control and propaganda, or they will fall behind. Not understanding what the rule of technique is doing to him and to his world, Modern man is beset by anxiety and a feeling of insecurity. He tries to adapt to changes he cannot comprehend. 
the conflict of propaganda takes the place of the debate of ideas. Technique smothers the ideas that put its rule in question and filters out for public discussion only those ideas that are substantial in accord with the values created by a technical civilization. Social criticism is negated because there is only slight access to the technical means required to reach large reach large numbers of people. He's talking about the media here. It's all to do with the media. Control the whole media and you control the minds of the people by using technique and repetitive slogans and little catchphrases like downsizing, upsizing, cost-cutting, etc., etc., which the people then pirate themselves, but it really doesn't mean much at all to, to, to average Joe. Now, I'm going to cut back here to page 368 where he says, propagandistic manipulations take place under all forms of government and in all walks of life. It may be said that we live in a universe which is psychologically subversive. Even so, modern man has no clear conception of the extent of the phenomenon. Experience cannot reveal it to him. He would have to be outside looking in. We in France are fortunate in living in a country where propaganda is still remarkably inefficient. In addition, we are acquainted with the technique of social psychoanalysis as reported by the pre-1938 Berlin Institute of Applied Psychology and by numerous American institutes and research committees. It is scarcely necessary to add that all propaganda technicians in search of the one best way loudly proclaim the value of exploiting the great subconscious motives I have described. As I say, this book is a really must for those who are really trying to find out how their lives have been run for them, how the school system, uh, how the indoctrination went through the schooling and then was carried uh, over into the regular media right up to your, your mainstream news. This was talked about too by a guy who was an Archbishop of Canterbury back in the 40s and 50s and 60s. They called him the Red Bishop because he... He, people thought he was communistic in his ideas, but he wasn't. And he kept using a phrase that was called continuing education on the general public. Now, for the general public who heard his statements and who did not attend his lectures, it sounds pretty good. Yeah, we'll take night school courses and upgrade, as we call it now, since we're all becoming computers. But no, what he meant was the media would constantly put out new terms and catchphrases and start to tell us what to do how to keep fit, uh, what to eat, what to wear, what kind of weather. All of these things a world, again, run by experts. Same with Bertrand Russell. That's what he said would come in. He said eventually we'll bring a society where the average person will be unable to do anything for themselves without the advice of an expert. And we've actually gone to that step. And that's rather scary. Now back to the technological society. On page 369, you find here, he says, one, the critical faculty has been suppressed by the creation of collective passions. The well-known phenomenon of reciprocal suggestion has made collective passion a very different force from individual passion. You've all heard about communitarianism, your community on your local news. Are you part of your community, etc.? That's what he's talking about. We're all doing things together. Everything that's together is promoted. We know that individual passion is in itself 
inimical to the critical faculty, but the critical faculty can still be exercised if some equilibrium can be established between criticism and passion. The collective passion created by technique, of which technique itself is sometimes the object, the critical faculty, which is peculiar to the intellectual organization of the individual, is excluded. As Moniron says flatly, there is no such thing as a collective critical faculty. Because technique acts upon men collectively, the passion it provokes, which exists in everybody, are amplified. Suppression of the critical faculty, man's growing incapacity to distinguish truth from falsehood, the individual from the collectivity, action from talk, reality from statistics, and so on, is one of the most evident results of the technical power of propaganda. Human intelligence cannot resist propaganda's manipulation of its subconscious. And that last little part is worth repeating. Human intelligence cannot resist propaganda's manipulation of its subconscious. Number two, a good social conscience appears with suppression of the critical faculty. Technique provides justification to everybody and gives all men the conviction that their actions are just, good, and in the spirit of truth. This conviction is the stronger because it is collectively shared. As I said before, the average person thinks they're sane because they bounce ideas off their neighbors. And if their neighbors have the same opinions as they have, because they've all had the same indoctrination, you think you must be sane. That's what it means. And he's going through that very thing here. The individual finds the same convictions in his fellow workers and neighbors and feels himself strengthened in it through the implicit communion of media such as the radio. In countries where propaganda technique is exploited, there's a decrease in neurosis as well as in crime. Isn't that interesting? Isn't that interesting? The more propaganda that's out there, the, 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 the less neurosis there is and crime even falls. We can believe the wartime statistics of the Nazis and the Americans because they fit so well with everything else we know. Conversely, whenever for some reason propaganda technique fails to instill a good collective social conscience, and there you go, the technique and propaganda gives you a good collective social conscience. And this, of course, is what all religions do, is to give you a one particular type of social conscience. You all know the rules. Now I hear the music coming up this time. So we're back with Jack's lull in the technological society after these messages. Hi folks, Alan walked back with Cutting Through the Matrix and Going Through the Technological Society by Jax Elow, one of the big players and advising other players, lesser players, even Aldo Huxley, into what makes people tick. And when you read their books, being human, again, you'll, you'll jump into the dialectic of thinking about sides, like whose side is he on? And you've got to realize that these guys really are not on a side. They work for the one boss that runs the world, the one system that runs the world. It's only the lesser types that automatically jump for sides. It's a very human trait. If you get sides in anything, believe you me, it's being supplied to you. They're ready-made for you. And if you have a particular thing what you're into, a hobby or a conspiracy hobby or something like that, they've also got lots of sites out there for you too to join and they will control you through that particular group. That's how bad it is. 
we're dealing with a total system here. Now, before I, I continue with some more of Jaxia Law's Technological Society, I want to mention that people can look into my website for a few things that I do sell, and you can donate some money. The prices are up there for donations, which keeps me going because, believe you me, there's a lot of other things I could be doing uh, to sustain myself, but this is a full-time job almost doing this, what I'm doing now. So support me by buying the DVDs, uh, the CDs, 12-hour or CD on ancient religions, again, techniques of ancient times, and also uh, there's books for sale which go through into the esoteric understanding of the vocabulary and how words have been put together very carefully by priesthoods in the 1500s, such as English. In fact, all the European languages were updated around the same era, and they're coded. I show you some of the codes that are in them, which the high esoteric groups use, and they'll ask all the way to the bank with your money as they do so, and you don't even know you've been ripped off most of the time. And that's how good their technique is. So it helps support me, keep me going, it takes money to keep us all going. And uh, that's enough of my shameless self-promotion. I'll get back to Jack C. Lowe, the Technological Society. As I was saying, he was mentioning that the more totalitarian the propaganda is, the more perfected it is, the more well-behaved society is because they all, they've all been given a sort of formula to exist within a group culture. This isn't new because religion did the same things. In past ages, you were given a whole set of rules and laws and regulations which you all followed. And if the regular policeman didn't catch you breaking the law, then the God would because God saw you everywhere. The all-seeing eye is always present. And so you've always been controlled in all ages, especially since the beginning of the monetary system, which created a leisure class which could study human behavior then. Before that, there was no leisure class. Everybody had to literally work to survive. So on page 369, Jackson Law goes on. Conversely, when forever, for some reason, propaganda technique fails to instill a good collective social conscience, there's a sudden and brutal collapse of the sense of individual justification and individual morale falls drastically. This, among other things, would explain the extraordinary increase in neurosis in the United States after 1945. A similar situation among the Germans may have had other explanations, but I am convinced that the sudden halting in the Nazi propaganda machine played a significant role in German post-war neurosis. The problem in the United States has been so serious that it has led to the dramatic development of psychoanalytic therapy in the past few years, and that's when they brought it all out. In the 50s, suddenly it became very popular, a fad. It was pushing all the magazines, mainly women's magazines, that the, the therapist was the new priest. That's where you went with your problems, and he'd deal with it all. And Hollywood turned out lots of movie, movies, both comedy and, and straight, uh, straight fiction as well promote the therapist. The therapist was to take over, and he is the new priest for the present age. This development in reality represents a resumption on an individual level of the activity which collective technique had abandoned. When a good collective social conscience has been created, the individual becomes addicted to it 
as to a drug. And when the Americans realize that individual psychoanalysis is more costly, less efficient, because it cannot integrate the individual, and more difficult, they will return to a collective psychotherapeutic technique, which they have. It's called massive media propaganda. Propaganda technique, moreover, creates a new sphere of the sacred. As Monero puts it, an entire category of events, beings, and ideas is outside criticism. That's very important. For an entire category of events, beings, people, and ideas outside, is outside criticism. It constitutes a sacred realm in contrast to the realm of the profane. As a result of the profound influence of the mechanisms of propaganda, a new zone of the forbidden is created in the heart of man, but it is artificially induced in contrast to the taboos of primitive societies. I'll be back to explain that after the following messages. Alan walked back with cutting through the matrix, just giving you some of the, the techniques which are used and why they work on whole populations. They work primarily because there's co- a coordinated effort at the higher political system, the front men, when they're taught all the same buzzwords and terms and all come out saying weapons of mass destruction like a robot whenever they're questioned, uh, they're told to, to parrot these little phrases uh, and the more people who parrot them at the top, the more we, we must think it must be true because they're all saying the same thing, aren't they? Well, it's because they're all at the same meeting and they were told what to say. That's why they all say the same thing. That's why it works. So he goes on to say on page 370, Jack C. Lull, He says, to summarize, the suppression of the critical faculty, the formation of a good social conscience, and the creation of a sphere of the sacred are all aspects of a single manifestation. The first and clearest consequence of the application of psychoanalytic mass techniques. Incidentally, our analysis confirms a social phenomenon frequently analyzed by modern sociologists, the creation of the masses. These three elements add a new dimension to the masses. The masses thereby gain an internal cohesion that does not possess naturally. A unifying psychism has come into being. That's what they mean by culture creation. They create and upgrade your culture very quickly, actually. And we all parrot the new terms they give us because the terms themselves put pictures in our minds of what we're supposed to be. We're all in it together. That's what you hear when all wars begin. We're all in it together. And the propaganda labels and, and posters, etc., that go up generally use that term in one way or another. Yep, we're all in it together. And you'll find, too, the sacred, the sacred manifestation. They create the sacred. That's when the, the leaders drape themselves in your national flags and emblems using the tribal bonding instinct. And sure enough, most people uh, put their brain out the window when that happens and they let their heart take over because they've all been conditioned to follow. That's the other part of it. Another part of it is, too, is when presidents and prime ministers give out new terrorist laws, supposedly, uh, whole new uh, martial law laws in actual fact across the planet, not just in U.S. and Britain, and tell the rest of the congressmen or politicians that it's unpatriotic to read it, just pass it. 
That's your democracy for you. And yet that happened. That's happened. Uh, President Bush told them in the U.S., if they read the anti-terrorism laws, this massive omnibus bill, which would have taken you weeks to read anyway, and probably months to read it, in fact, he said it would be unpatriotic for any of them to actually read it. Just pass it, carte blanche. And they did, except for one abstention. And that tells you they're all paid from the same pocket, you see, because politicians being psychopathic types uh, want self-gain. They don't care about you. And that's no news to those like myself in the know. It might be news to the general public who fall for the personality propaganda technique that's propagated to us. We're living in a very controlled system, a perfectly controlled matrix where everyone is given a particular type of culture. It's upgraded sometimes three, four times in one lifetime. And those who live through it don't even notice the changes where right is made wrong, wrong is made right. And new norms come into being that throw the old norms out. And Joe Average, who really doesn't think critically, can't analyze it for himself because they all flow in the same direction Everyone is flowing in the same direction at the same time, and they're not questioning either. They just accept. Most people live in a subliminal existence, a twilight zone, where they use twilight language to indoctrinate your mind. That's how it works. So you have to do your homework if you really are, really are trying to wake up, and not to get a country back, because... What era are you trying to get back? The corrupt system of the 50s, 40s, 30s, or 20s, or what? Because it was all the same system. And your great-grandparents were being controlled back in their day by the same people with sciences behind them. And often the ancestors of the present bunch is in power because in Europe we just have family dynasties running for governments using either the mother's name or the father's name so they can confuse us as well and throw us off the track by picking one or the other names. This is very, very common. And there's nothing new in it because if you read the histories of uh, Jefferson and others to do with the United States, he talked about the laws they tried to pass to stop the first generation of politicians from getting their own offspring into government, and they failed pretty miserably. I think even Washington got some relatives in. Franklin tried to get his son Temple in, but luckily he was uh, so mixed up in fairly nasty deeds that he didn't get in. But others did, and it's been the same ever since. You can trace the, the long-term members uh, in politics, whether it's a democracy or a republic, doesn't matter at all, because they've been in bed together, like Carol Quigley said, since at least the beginning of the 1900s, completely in bed together, in fact, the same bed, and uh, we're being guided along a particular course towards world governments. At the beginning of the 1900s, people were sent over to the U.S. from London. Uh, Wells went across and talked to senators. We find that Rudyard Kipling was sent across to read his little poem. They passed the torch on to the U.S., which they did. They knew that the U.S. would supply the future men for armies, uh, the tax base would be phenomenal because of the, the population increase in the United States. And they knew they would take over as policemen of the world at the beginning of the 1900s. And they discussed it fully in the books written at that period. 
for those who want to go into it, seek out the old books. Anything written after World War One goes down the hill. Anything written after World War Two is useless pretty well because they're heavily, heavily authorized. That's why you have authors who are authorized. It's like the King James Bible was the, the authorized Bible. Uh, not anybody can be an author and have your books published. I know this for a fact because I've had some phone me up who've been told what to write and guaranteed to have a bestseller if they do by the big boys, by the Penguin books and other ones. That's how it really works in real life. Same in the music industry. A star is made. You don't need talent. If you've been picked for it, you'll get there because they'll make it happen for you. That's how it really is as well with, with authors. So all you poor souls are scribbling away there thinking if you just do good, you'll get up there by sending out your transcripts out. Sorry, it won't happen unless you're just copying something you've read already, which is in vogue and has been promoted as the way to go. Same in music too. That's the world in which we live. It's a controlled system, completely controlled. The last thing they want out there in society is truth. Truth that might break the spell, burst the bubble, and have people thinking. Because if people start thinking, who knows where it might lead. It might just turn this whole agenda upside down. It might start exposing all the big magicians at the top for what they are. Really, we've got to flush the magicians out because they're behind the scenes. They're the advisors. The advisors are far more important to presidents and to the people than anyone we'll elect. They're trained in the technique of the technocrats, the technocracy, like Jacques Elal is saying. Now, what he says, too, on page 371 of his book, Jacques Elal, The Technological Society, he says, a third consequence of technical propaganda manipulation is the creation of an abstract universe. Here's the matrix, representing a complete reconstruction of reality in the minds of its citizens. The new universe is a verbal universe. To use the excellent phrase of Armand Robin, our keenest student of radio propaganda, men fashion images of things, events, and people which may not reflect real reality but which are truer than reality, truer than reality. These images are based on news items which, as is the case of much of the, world's, the world, are faked, faked news. Most of the news you get is fake news and diversions or trivia. Their purpose is to form rather than to inform, just data, overloading you with data. Faking the news is systematically practiced by the Soviet radio, but the procedure is found to a lesser degree in all countries. All of us are familiar with the innocent fraud of the illustrated newspapers in which a photograph is accompanied by ambiguous caption. A shipyard, for example, is indifferently described as a plant in one of the democracies or in the Soviet Union or wherever. Or you'll find it even today, and this is me talking now, when you find the feds are raiding someone's home, suddenly the media says it's a compound. So a farm or a house becomes a compound. Ooh, and that's how it's done. That's the fake, the fakeness of it all. This kind of thing, goes on to say, represents the first step towards a sham universe. It's also indicative of an important element in today's psychology, the disappearance of reality in a world of hallucinations. 
Man will be led to act from real motives that are scientifically directed and increasingly irresistible. Think about the computer. He will be brought to sacrifice himself in a real world. He will be brought to sacrifice himself in a real world. But for the sake of the variable universe which has been fashioned for him, we must try to grasp the profundity of this upheaval. The human being has enormous means at his disposal, and he acts upon and in the real world, but he acts in a dream. He seeks other ends, those the incantational magic of propaganda purposes for him, than those he will really attain. The ends he is expected to reach are known only to the manipulators of the mass subconscious and to them alone. And it's true, most people are in a hypnotic state. They're being guided step by step towards giving up all their rights, all their freedoms, and they don't mind. What's scary is that they don't mind. Tyrants were used to, if you read history, but when the public don't mind something has happened to the people, it means they have no mind of their own. They have nothing to hide, they say, and yet wars were fought in the past to have privacy and peace within your own home. Now we don't even own our own homes. And again, no one's really complaining about it either. What's happened to the public? Well, the public have been trained that everything's been taken care of by Big Brother and his cohorts. You know, all these people who come out of special wombs, different birth canals than you and I, the ones that are up there in high bureaucratic positions, the experts and scientists are taking care of all the world's tough problems for us because it's all too difficult for us to understand. That's how we've been trained to, to, to view it or not even to look at it, in fact. That's the world in which we live. It's a matrix. And for those who are conscious, the hardest job is trying to wake anybody up. Now, since one in thousands can wake up, it's rather the chances of someone in your own family waking up with you are incredibly small. So don't beat your head against the brick wall. Look for those who are trying to wake up. And that's what they meant in all ages. Let the dead bury their dead and try to get those who are trying to live. They're trying to get up from the dead. You make the dead to walk. That's what that always meant in all ages. You've got to do it yourself. You've got to feed it to the people very slowly. Don't overload them with anything. And don't give them the more complex books to begin with. Use your own words, words which they can understand and relate it to their own experiences so they can really understand. Because we are living in a very clever, very advanced, mind control form of society the world over. And the world is being standardized into the same system which further decreases the chances of peoples in other countries waking up when you have no one else to compare yourself with, that's the problem with global government. When there's no other country or people or culture to compare yourself with, you will not question your culture at all. And that is fact. Any historian knows that. And anyone who's studied the technique of civilization knows that too. It all goes on to say on page 373, I've made it quite clear that propaganda is not the defense of an idea but the manipulation of the mob's subconscious. The hope proposed and the contradictions of propaganda come to this. 
the citizen receives a blow in the face from his neighbor on the right, which fortunately is compensated for by another blow from his neighbor on the left. The propaganda involves calm exposition of political theories among which the citizen might choose. Intelligently, contradictions would be beneficial and would leave the citizen a free man. But this is an impossibility from the moment the propagandist possesses material means for exerting action on the mob and knowledge of the secret recesses of the human psyche. The man who upholds a political theory presumably believes in it. I take the case of a politician who acts from conviction and not from personal interest. He will indeed strive to present his convictions in the best possible light and to secure the adherence of the greatest number of his fellow citizens. To do this, he will, of course, make use of the most efficient means. So like any totalitarian, he will proceed to rape the mob propagandistically. And rape remains rape, though it be affected by ten political parties ten times in a row. Altering the outward form does not alter the substance. Think of the parades, for instance, of Nazi Germany, the somber and fanatical rites of blood and soil. In the United States, the equivalent for the most part revolves around rites involving scantily clad girls. It is all a matter of temperament. The psychic aim is the same, and it is ruinous to democracy. So he's telling you about all the things you take for granted including the use of sex, etc., in young girls, which symbolically mean the young generation of, of breeders into the subconscious mind, all doing their dancing for Uncle Sam, an idea. That's all it is, a collective idea that's been put into your mind by professionals. I'll be back after the following messages. Alan Watt was cutting through the matrix, and just before I go to the caller, Remember what Bertrand Russell said. He said, there is no nonsense so arrant that it cannot be made to creed the belief of the vast majority by adequate government action. In other words, the public can be made to believe anything. Bertrand Russell, check that one out for yourself. Hello, Alan from England. Are you on the line? Hi, Alan. How are you? Bertrand Russell also said that uh, people would rather die than think. That's right. <laughs> That's right. Um, Alan, I've uh, only discovered you in the last few months. Uh, like you, I was a session player. I didn't know you were a session player. Mm-hmm. Myself, I'm in my 40s now, living in Devon and writing books and teaching. Uh-huh. Uh, I worked for Jeff Wayne Music and Billy Gray and people like that. Yep. You probably know a few of those names. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I noticed that, I want to get to the point very quickly, I noticed that you don't deal with the current affairs of what's going on, I suppose, that's your technique and you know you deal with the historical information which i think is fantastic mm-hmm. but uh let me ask you a question do you know anything about the exopolitics uh yeah yeah i stuff? do yeah the, uh, uh, the reason i don't go into what's happening day by day is because i'm beyond that i mean what's happening today i knew would happen years ago and there are bigger or big talkers out there who do cover the daily events and to me there's no real point in that because you have to look at the, what's coming in the future where their goal is that's what we have to look at absolutely yeah well i like the idea of international citizens international war crimes tribunals i think that's a good idea mm-hmm. uh, especially when you can get some countries behind it like alfred weber is suggesting i'd like you to talk about that a bit further if you if you and get off the line you know 
I mean, give Hamish a wee little pat on the on, on the on the head for me. Yeah, we'll do. And uh, one day soon, I promise you, my brother, you will be one of the you know one of the sort and and one of the people that will most people will listen to, and will be listened to. There's no doubt about it. And more and more people will listen to people like you. Yeah, it's happening. And uh, that's what our job is, if you like. Um, so God bless you, and uh, and let me get off the line and let you talk about uh, subjects like exopolitics and that sort of thing or whatever you know about it rather than uh you know the history and and what's happened in the past yeah okay okay thanks alan yeah bye now yeah the, the thing about as i say i don't really go into the day by day events because that's part of technique as the, the reporting of events which can seem overwhelming to the average person and if you're hit with more than four major events, uh, real or imagined, doesn't matter. In one day, you can't cope. Your mind breaks down. You actually become easier to control by more propaganda when you start to freak out because you're being hit like a machine gun with bullet after bullet of what bills are being passed through parliament or government, who's doing it, etc. But they don't tell you what the long-range goals are. And that's where I'd rather look what are the effects of it all? I'll go into the exopolitical side of it next uh, Friday, perhaps. So up here, from up here in northern Ontario, from Hamish, my dog, and myself, it's good night. I mean, your God or your gods are with you.